Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is the Australian film Down Under. Uh, came out in August 2016. And just a heads up, spoilers. If you haven't seen the film, we will be discussing it with some spoilers in mind. Lloyd, the tagline here is Australia vs Australia. Nobody wins. Uh, of course, it's a film about racism and the Cronulla riots. And um, Mark Twain famously said, humour equals tragedy plus time. So did you find this humorous? <laughs> that... Did you find it humorous? Yes. <laughs> I was laughing so hard um, all throughout this whole film. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. No, look, I feel like holding a mirror up to these two particular uh, groups. We've got the um, kind of Southern Cross tattoo uh, half of the the carload full of dudes. And um, then there's the Muslim uh, group. And holding a mirror up to the two of them. I think works really well here. Yeah, it's amazing how much balance there is in the film between both sides. It's a real, you know, element of the film that obviously Forsyth wanted to zero in on. The the director, Abe Forsyth, I think he's an amazing talent. Yeah, I mean, I feel a lot like this is the kind of Australian film we should be financing and making. We talked about a couple of Australian films recently. We did Embedded and um, uh, Red Billabong as well recently on the podcast. And kind of looking at the films that Australia is making, I'm hoping Down Under like sweeps the award season, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was crazy to see that original footage, you know, of course, of the, the Cronulla riots. And the, the We Grew Here, You Flew Here, all the police, you know... Um, spraying mace pepper spray you know this actually happened you know showing us the riot on screen hopefully reminds people and tells people that are too young to remember it that this was actually something that happened in australia you know yeah this is the raw footage of the actual cronulla riots and overlaid with it is a merry christmas song just to get you in this really unsettled mood it's supposed to be funny uh, with, with the comedy, but the imagery is so confronting that you just, you know, you're not quite sure how to take this film right from the get-go. And I think that's part of the brilliance of Abe Forsyth. A lot of the kind of unsettling uh, music was fantastic. I thought having the tape player in uh, the car being broken, forcing us to get this soundtrack throughout the film was a, was a great touch. And I talked about the music of Red Billabong, for example, being really on the nose, whereas I thought this was a lot of fun and sort of complemented what we were seeing. Yeah, you know? it was also a counterpoint. It's a common uh, strategy from a lot of top-tier directors that when you do have source music, it's often a counterpoint to the scene. So if it is a heavy, dramatic scene, it might just be rock and roll in the background, and it really shows that the director isn't imposing their own thoughts on the scene so telling the audience what to think we're really left you know to make up our own ideas of what's exactly happening and I think it's absolutely brilliant the comedy he was able to get out of the music how much that played into a lot of the scenes in particular the movie uh, theme songs 
that played throughout. I can't remember some of them, but I think it was in the car. I think they were listening to the Never Ending Story. Was that Never right? Ending Story was one. Yeah, I Don't the- Want to Wait, the Dawson's Creek song was another <laughs> one. They were hilarious. Uh, and just sort of the Milkshake song by Khalees, I think it is. They played You Got the Touch. It's like a Transformers animated series, uh, animated film, sorry, which I know you and I are both fans of. <laughs> yeah, we're huge fans. And um, you just got the 30-year edition, didn't you? Yeah, I just got that on Blu-ray, the 30th anniversary edition special 4K transfer and everything. So I still haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I really can't wait. And I love how um, one of the characters, I think it was Jason, played by Damon Harriman, he goes, um, oh, this is shit. You know, where's your corn? Where's your limp biscuit? <laughs> And, uh, you know, like they're commenting on the fact that it's broken, constantly kicking the kind of tape deck. It's a tape deck as well. In 2005 or whatever, it's it's still a tape yeah, deck. Yeah, because it's a very old beat up car as well. One of the reasons why Forsyth said he made this film was because he felt Australia wasn't discussing the Cronulla riots in the years that followed. He felt as if the Australian attitude was to ignore it and hopefully it'll just go away. And he chose to make this a comedy, but I do feel this is a strong drama as well. We don't actually see too many comedy drama films where the film on the surface, or at least at the beginning, appears as a comedy, but then becomes a much more serious film, maybe like Sideways, The Royal Tenenbaum, Silver Linings Playbook. Like he said, by making people laugh, it makes it more accessible, and I really do believe that, although this is a really strong, heavy-themed movie on the Cronulla riots, which is a really dark moment in Australian history, by having it as a comedy, you're, it makes it much more inviting. And he drew from a lot, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but this British film called Four Lions, which came out in 2010. No, uh, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, I I've heard of it, it as well. It was about terrorism, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about terrorism. And he said he was heavily inspired by that film because obviously 2010, well, all throughout this decade and still going, terrorism is such a brutal discussion uh, topic for any culture and especially when the British, I think they just had a terrorist attack or something and then Four Lions comes out, which is a comedy about terrorism, which really hit people in the face and Forsyth said that was one of his inspirations. I suppose maybe not enough time had passed for that to work as humour, if we look back to that Mark Twain quote, but... Maybe like a decade from now, we'll see like a really on the nose, uh, you know, scathing thing about Pauline Hanson or Trump or, you know, uh, current terrorism, just everything. Well, don't you feel Down Under is coinciding with the resurgence of Pauline Hanson and what I feel is like the rise of the right all throughout the world? Like, even if Donald Trump doesn't win the US election, it really illustrates the zeitgeist that enough people have so much fear of foreigners and immigrants to allow a person like Donald Trump to rise. And of course, we have the infamous Brexit situation in Europe. It just feels like Down Under is coming out at the right time. Yeah. I mean, it, it's showing the nature of fear and the fact that, um, I mean, Pauline Hansen apparently represents, you know, half a million people. You know, that's a percentage of Australia's population that are afraid, that are perhaps ignorant to some of this. You know, uh, we're seeing that kind of ignorance in this movie. I read something which said Abe Forsyth believed more conflict is not inevitable and he said uh, the best of avoiding a repeat of the Cronulla riots is by talking about the issue for a start and informing the conversation in a way so that we're listening to each other 
and not just shouting over each other, he said. I mean, I definitely feel like the characters in this film are just shouting at each other. Obviously, it's fresh then, and the Aussie pride of it all, you know? Yeah, I want to say to our international listeners that people characterised in the movie Down Under is not the Australia I know at all, so don't be afraid to come here or anything like that. Australia is a great place to visit and live. Down Under zeroes in on an exaggerated dark side to the Australian stereotypes and uses it like a a director, which I really want to discuss, Paul Fennick, another uh, popular Australian comedian director. Uh, He uses the same thing to explore those themes in our culture and it uses one of the ugliest moments in recent Australian history as a backdrop and explores many facets to the Australian multicultural identity to call, you know, a a lot of the critics are really harsh on this film. They're saying it's really juvenile. It's, I felt, I don't know if you've read too much of the critic reviews, like it's really split them down the line. A lot of the top critics are saying this is a very juvenile film done in poor taste with racism, the homophobia and the violence is just really uncomfortable for a lot of audiences. And some critics were saying that the comedy was for the lowest common denominator uh, with crude language and overblown stereotypes and really desperate slapstick. A lot of them kept referencing. And I have to completely disagree. The craft in making a comedy is one of the hardest things you can ever do as a filmmaker, I think. There is a a, a pacing to it that and uh, the delivery is so delicate. If you hold on to a shot for too long, the joke fizzles. If you cut too early, the joke doesn't make its impact. And on top of that, there's a lot of serious drama to this film. And I think Abe Forsyth commands enormous mastery over all of these aspects. And I was dying with laughter all throughout this movie. And what what was amazing about it, I was very uncomfortable with a lot of the humour and settings, and I did find a lot of these characters to be really awful. Uh, the main guy, as you said, the, of the Australians, Jason, played by Damon Harriman, who I think Dave is is going to be a superstar one day for sure. When he, I think he's an amazing talent. But at the very beginning, when we first see him, he swears at this poor old lady coming out of the video store. Uh, just, just absolute awful profanity um, at a, a, a talking to her, and I just hated him from the get-go and I didn't like Nick from the Lebanese group played by Tahil Roman if I'm pronouncing his name correctly a self-destructive drug dealer but Forsyth allows so much empathy to grow with a lot of these awful characters just like what we discussed in our Wolf of Wall Street podcast Uh, the characters are exaggerated caricatures but but are credible and recognizable and there's a lot there for us to invest in to, to make us care. Yeah, Damon uh, Harriman has been in a bit of a purple patch of his career at the moment. He was in um, Never Tear Us Apart, the NXS miniseries, as their manager. Uh, so he got a lot of kind of, um, you know, eyeballs on him then. As well as The Little Death, which was Josh Lawson's directorial debut. In that, he played a man who he starts doing role-playing with his wife. I think it's his wife. I can't remember if it's his girlfriend. Uh, he starts doing role-playing with her, but then he becomes so fascinated by the truth of the acting of the role-playing that he finds out that he wants to be an actor. And it's very funny as well. And look, I mean, he's got a, a big body of work now and he's he's doing great. So I think he's going to break through eventually. He's, you can't have a guy that talented and not, not get to the big time. Or maybe he'll just be one of the great character actors in, in yeah, Australia. Yeah, or... 
I mean, it's, he's got a bit of a look to him too, so he, he does really well in this. And the fact that him and uh, his pregnant wife, I assume, girlfriend, you know, they got me laughing a lot. Well, weren't their parent, parenting really awful? The daughter's watching Wolf Creek and she's yeah. screaming, wanting, you know, I guess uh, Mediterranean food during the night of the riots. It's just like crazy kebab. stuff. She yeah. wants kebabs. She wants a yeah. kebab. <laughs> And to, to get the kebabs, they rob a kebab shop rather than go and buy kebabs. <laughs> for one character uh, who really swung things for me, the guy working in the video store, and first of all, wasn't it nostalgic to see an operational video store? <laughs> <laughs> he has to give them free DVDs and stuff. You know, he just wants to watch Lord of the Rings with his cousin, who's uh, who has Down syndrome. He's, he's Evan, played by Chris Bunton. His character's name is Shitstick. On IMDb, yeah. Alexander England, and they just want to borrow his car. So he, he and Evan get kind of pulled into this situation because when they start talking to his dad at home, the dad basically says, great idea. <laughs> he's you a full definitely... racist as well. Yeah, he's so <laughs> proud. You know, he's so proud of his son, you know, for getting lumped in that he gives him a gun and this... One bullet and a grenade from Gallipoli. and what the hell are we going to do with one bullet? <laughs> and he says, you know, I'm so proud of you. You know, you're a man. And oh, that character pushing him into this, just amazing. And um, the thing is, these people do exist. As you said, it's a minority. It's not a reason not to come to Australia, people. But um, there is kind of, uh, in Australia, casual racism and also this kind of casual swearing. Absolutely everywhere. Probably most people have some level of racism in them, whether they keep it to themselves or not. But um, seeing this kind of really blatant racism uh, was was so funny because it was so unexpected. You know, you're you're looking for a character to hold on to and to kind of say, right, you're my guide through this story. You know, and you look at Shitstick, played by Alexander England, and you think he's going to be the one to go, guys, we shouldn't be doing this. You know, he almost goes home at one point when they rob the um the kebab shop because he says admit that you're you know you're pussy whipped kind of thing uh or i'm going home and the guy admits it so they carry on but um so many times during the night it seems like he doesn't want to be there really yeah same as lincoln yunes um who plays Hasim from the lebanese group yeah same as him he just wants to study but he's looking for his brother his brother farouk who's missing for the whole the whole movie. You know how you said that it was kind of more of a drama than a comedy? I feel like the whole ending with all the action and everything really lends itself to drama. Oh, absolutely. But then, yeah, sorry, you get a phone call from Farouk and everything is comedy again because it's like such a farce. But anyway, sorry, you were going to say? Yeah, like just to add on to that, the film obviously wants to remind us of the ugliness and stupidity of racism and the human cost of it and the big tragedy of this movie, not only the extreme violence, which I think would have got people walking out of the cinema for sure, or going, this is like that, that was like the final straw, but specifically what happens to the character with Down syndrome, how he goes in reverse. I couldn't stop laughing. And then when the car exploded, I just couldn't believe what was happening. And it's just the wizardry of Abe Forsyth just to the forefront, the, the fact that he can make you laugh and shock you with absolute appalling violence is amazing and this is the the action scenes in this or the violent scenes are very well choreographed they're not badly done scenes at all they're really really well done you feel every impact 
every punch that that happens and every gunshot that fires uh, all throughout um the, that the, those scenes and it's just absolutely amazing uh, Abe Forsyth definitely borrows some tools from a, a, another Australian comedy filmmaker which I mentioned Paul Fennick uh, he, Paul Fennick also employs this stereotype as the main tool to his stories the show he's most famous for is of course Fat Pizza although it's not really my thing I think Fat Pizza is a brilliant brilliant show and Paul Fennick is a real master filmmaker whose work just isn't appreciated enough in my opinion. Peter Bogdanovich said one of the hardest genres to make is comedy and he said if you can do comedy you can do it all and as I said I think this kid Abe Forsyth is a supreme talent. He's got it all. He he can make a full-blown in-your-face comedy and turn it very serious just just like that, and uh, you know, I, I I don't. I'm very confident in saying Abe Forsyth is going to be one of the top Australian filmmakers for sure. Well, as I said, I mean, I'm kind of hopeful that this sweeps some awards and at least gets people talking. You know, when we discussed, say, Spotlight, for example, an important film, and when we were talking about the fact that because it won the Best Picture Oscar, more people will see it, and the message will then get spread, and maybe humanity changes because of it. This feels like maybe as we hold up a mirror to ourselves and say, what were we thinking in, um, you know, in the years to come sort of thing. Maybe the fact that this film now exists, this can be taught in school, this can be, you know. Well, I hope it does. I'm not too familiar with how the Australian award season works or anything like that. But I really do hope this film does get circulated, does get seen. I just don't think it'll get many awards just from reading these reviews. Like uh, a lot of these top film critics don't, uh, Australian film critics like David Stratton really don't like this movie. And I just think they've completely missed the point. They're not seeing the craft at all. And uh, I think it'll be another couple of films that they recognise Abe Forsyth is really good, like uh, almost in a mature level, that they will go back and dis- rediscover Down Under and go, oh my gosh, this film's actually really brilliant. I found it fascinating that I think it was Damon Herriman's character talking to Sir Jason talking to Shitstick about how they should put up a wall, you know, uh, which is what Trump wants to do. And he's saying a 20-foot wall to stop them wogs coming here. And Shitstick says, you know, the, the contracting alone would be a nightmare. <laughs> and and the irony that you would need to source building materials from overseas and you'd be caught up in red tape and, ah, oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> what about the guy showing off all his tattoos, his Ned Kelly tattoos? And then, he, you know, he's got a Ninja Turtle one there just buried there. And the, the guy tells him, oh, yeah, you know, Ned Kelly was an Irishman. He wasn't Australian himself. And then the final reveal of his tattoo, it's a big Ned Kelly helmet. And it looks like he's wearing a burqa. A burqa, yeah. <laughs> that was great. I feel like the tattooed man who was played by Justin Rosniak, he played Ditch. The tattooed man Ditch with the Ned Kelly tattoos is like a metaphor for the whole film, you know? Ned Kelly was Irish, which, like all of us, we all came from somewhere except for the Aboriginal people of Australia. And he didn't think through his actions as many didn't think through their actions. (laughs) I was about to say, as almost all the characters in this film. Yeah, which, um, like getting the tat, for example, and when they say it looks like a burqa, he says, oh, well, if I'd known you would have had such a problem with it, I wouldn't have done it, which is like the line that, you know, (laughs) really explains the whole movie. If you'd thought about it, oh, the the fact that it looks like a, a Middle Eastern woman, they say, and then the line which got me was, you work for Westpac, you dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> I 
like he's got to go back and work in a bank <laughs> and he looks like he's going to rob the place. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I mean, the, the conversation about the wall, the Trump wall being so relevant today was fascinating. They must have felt great when they were putting the film together and then when Trump said that. And they oh, were like, yeah. Oh, oh my oh. gosh. The realisation that it's still, you know, this racism still exists, that people are easily, will fear one another and, um, you know, not everybody's doing a podcast with a Filipino guy, Luke, so. <laughs> I'll get there. Uh, yeah. I, I like the moment where they're, they're having the big car chase and the guy goes, oh, I'm, I'm just like Vin Diesel in Fast and Furious, and he flicks yeah. the cigarette and lands, obviously, a, a, a rip off of Big Lebowski, but it works so well there, they crash the car. And just before that scene where they all meet up, all the Australians, they're doing burnouts and the, just the slow motion and all the facial expressions, just f absolutely fantastic. I was just thinking, like, Nick Giannopoulos also did the whole Wogboy thing. Also, I suppose, kind of not as funny as Paul Fennick, maybe, but um, also in that category. I loved the fact that the big tough guy had a high-pitched voice and asthma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get him, that, get him. <laughs> yeah, that they're all so unique, but they don't see themselves as unique. And uh, Abe Forsyth actually had a cameo, Lloyd, and I, I kind of picked it when it was happening. When Evan asks them if they're lebs on the beach... He's yelling down at them and saying, are you labs? You know, I need to beat up a lab or whatever. And the guy yells back, are you saying you want to beat up a lab? You need to go home and have a hard look at yourself, was uh, Abe Forsyth's cameo. Yeah, so he was the guy yelling, you need to go home and have a hard look at yourself, which really, I mean, we all want to yell at them <laughs> throughout <laughs> the movie. That was great. You want to do that Jedi mind trick from uh, Attack of the Clones. I want, I'm going to go home and rethink my life. I'm going to go yeah. home and rethink my life. I love that the kids... Damon Harriman's kids were Destiny and Patience, you know, <laughs> classic kind of Boganshire names. And uh, when he says, we can't have them disrespecting our women, and then there's that smash cut to the phone call with her. There's some also nice tender moments as well when he puts the girls to sleep or puts a blanket over the, the, the kids. And then that's, I think that's followed up um, when they're in the bathroom, they're talking about, I just want to go home and watch Lord of the Rings. Just really nice small moments uh, like that. I think uh, Abe Forsyth commands enormous skill and mastery over many aspects of this film. And uh, also he managed to fit in Vengabus <laughs> <laughs> and uh, had them all sing Natalie and Brulia's Torn. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that on a Winners and Losers episode, I think. Or, or a promo Winners and Losers. I think it was Winners and Losers. They're all singing that song. Torn. Yeah, Torn. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> so it's probably been in a, in many Australian uh, dramas. Probably. I mean, an Australian, iconic Australian uh, song like that will probably get a lot of airplay. But they were all singing it, and except one, and I kept hoping they would cut back and then they would all be singing it. <laughs> there, there was this uh, one... I think a very uh, racist rally. I don't know if there were neo-Nazis or something about immigration and they were playing a really uh, a very popular John Farnham song very loudly. Like, I don't know which one, but they're all singing and John Farnham actually said, could you never not play my song ever again? You know, I'm married to an Asian woman as well. It's just, yeah, a complete misrepresentation of the music. <laughs> I suppose, obviously, they would have had to get permission for everybody, you know, in this... In this um film you know, everyone the music they used but it's not as if one of the songs here played over a torture scene or you know a particularly racist moment everything is just kind of complimentary but i mean there's a line in the film i think evan says it where he says it's the beach it's for everyone and there was also a line which got me 
where they have a big face-off and he says it's just like Gallipoli. And uh, he says, have they got a Hmong with them as well? Like, they've misidentified one of them as also being with Down Syndrome. <laughs> oh, yeah, the car going off the cliff. It happened so quickly that I didn't even react to it. You know, they've got this kind of running gag that he's sort of just started to learn to drive. And, so and he always puts it in reverse. Puts it in reverse, which, you know, um, they demonstrate with him going backwards through, like, the carport. And, yeah, so it all happens very quickly. Uh, and then I was with uh, Shitstick's reaction. You know, he, he yells. Obviously, his cousin's just died, and presumably. And, um, yeah, it was very full on. And for that for that moment, it became a drama for me. A lot of fun and laughs and fun and games until somebody dies, really. Yeah, which, you know, it's find a riot in these people's eyes, isn't it? But um, then when their brothers and friends and other people die, it's a whole different story, isn't it? Absolutely. There's a lot of stakes here that people didn't consider. I mean, you'd hate to think something like this could happen again, but the fact that, as we were saying, Pauline Hansen's in the Senate and, um, you know, Trump represents his own... Um, agenda it doesn't look like he's going to get into power right now which is good there are people who will will have this perception of others i think it's going to take more generations for racism to become a real thing of the past um i suppose things like having obama in power and presumably hillary clinton's going to win and you know these are all steps forward but um the riots weren't that long ago lloyd yeah i, do, I don't know if i completely agree with abe forsyth that Australia didn't discuss the Cronulla riots in the years that followed it. But to be honest, I wasn't really looking or paying attention to the media at that point. He could be absolutely right that Australia completely did ignore it and was I almost had the attitude that if they ignored it, eventually it'll all go away. And this is it was such a huge event and highlighted a deep, dark uh, attitude within Australia that really poured to the forefront and we just completely ignored it. It's something that has to be amplified or looked into to to avoid that happening again. I think he's absolutely right that we need to open a, a discourse about that event and so we can discuss it and try to get to, to, to the core of the situation in hopes to never repeat the same uh, event. And I mean, Australia is a very multicultural place and that was encouraged over the years and uh, now we are a real melting pot of different cultures and people need to accept that, I think. Not everyone will, unfortunately, which is why things like the riot happened and uh, as I said, I think it will take it will take more time and understanding I guess. Things like when Waleed from The Project wins the Gold Logie, saying he's the most popular person on television, and um, you suddenly get a spotlight on, on him as a Muslim and, um, and his wife. These things are all steps forward. As the tagline sort of says, nobody wins when we, we fight each other. Australia versus Australia, nobody wins. That's it. A lot of people are Australian by birth. Uh, and then there's, of course, people who become Australians because they want to be a part of our great country. So, you know, they are accepting our culture and we don't want it to be one of racism and what we see in, in riots and and so forth. I'm not being as eloquent as I hoped I could be, but um, <laughs> off the cuff, this will have to do. Were there any <laughs> jokes in the movie that made you uncomfortable? I sort of... I'd seen the trailer some months ago, so I did have an idea what I was in for. And uh, generally... I consider cursing, swearing to be not very funny. Sort of, I see it as kind of an exclamation mark on a sentence. Um, just a way of somebody shouting the joke at you a bit more. 
but uh, here, for some reason, it worked for me. Uh, I didn't mind it, and um, there was nothing that made me uncomfortable, but if you tell me what made you uncomfortable, maybe I'll re remember well, it. <laughs> I think I was uncomfortable throughout the whole film, but the comedy really alleviated a lot of the tension in the scenes, but maybe just the portrayal of the homosexual people was just a bit too far... I guess just, I don't know if it's the taste I had issues with, but it was just a bit extreme how they were all drug dealers and just about it then, you know, then you have the Muslim guy reacting like he's so disgusted by what he sees, he throws oh, and up. he was vomiting. Yeah, he vomited. Yeah. I don't know, maybe I just had a bad taste in my mouth, no pun intended, uh, in, in that sequence, but just it, it felt like just a bit too homophobic at that moment. But uh, I'm not too sure. I'd have to watch the film again. Uh, again, I don't have that aggressive reaction like some of the critics I read. Uh, they really do feel this is a very homo homophobic and racist movie. Uh, I don't think that was Abe Forsyth's intention at all. I can imagine, actually, um, that entire sequence being lifted from the film. Um, because, yeah, the mechanic of that scene was that he gets a gun and he loses his yeah. pants. Uh, yeah. Uh, Haseem Which loses his neither pants. neither had to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, the gun, they could have had a gun the in whole the glove time. box. Sure. They could have gotten one from somebody else. Or he could have said, don't worry about where I got it from. The whole thing felt unnecessary. Yeah, because I didn't know what that had with the Cronella rights other than to put Asian people in it, I guess. Um, well, they were also doing some kind of drug dealing and, like, there was a whole thing going on there in the background. I suppose it was to show uh, that homophobia, uh, sorry, uh, homosexuality was is not acceptable for a, a Muslim person, and therefore, when uh, I think it's Nick tries to kiss Hasim, you know that then we know that that's not an acceptable moment for them, you know, because it's against their religion. Uh, so I think it's supposed to highlight that, but probably could have got there another way. I never b believed that Nick and Hasim were friends. Like Nick just seems like such a self-destructive person he's the joe pesci of this yeah but film. how can Hasim, who's obviously a person who's just wants to study and get ahead and so forth seems like a really family person i just don't believe that those two were friends at all well i don't believe this is the problem for me is that i don't believe Hasim would have gotten the car mm. you know based on the fact that he wants to find farouk his brother i think he would have said well farouk will turn up or this will let the authorities deal with it like he wouldn't want to be out there in the midst of things. Also, I kind of felt like maybe we should have seen more parents, more uh, parent figures, because seeing that one guy who accepted their racism and sent them out was a real turning point. Maybe it would have been good to see some mothers or more female characters, because the only one was the pregnant woman, really, uh, Stacy. So it was a very male-heavy film, which, I mean, I, I get that that would put people off as well. All the Ned Kelly tattoo stuff, all uh, the reveal of the Ned Kelly mask tattoo, uh, I found really funny. That was a real highlight for me. But, I mean, as I said, I did go into the film knowing what I was in for. I knew it was a black comedy. I knew what it was about. And uh, some of these jokes were already in the trailer, so... Um, well, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I went in completely not knowing anything about this movie other than you mentioning, oh, I want to do Down Under. And right from the get-go, I was like, oh, what, Cronulla Riots? You know, and then it just was... I, I just could not stop laughing throughout the whole movie. Just brilliant. Yeah, I would have preferred not to have seen the trailer. Yeah. I think those <laughs> the jokes the would jokes, have really yeah <laughs> yeah would have hit me a bit harder. But um, yeah, no, I um I'd heard good things about this. Obviously, it only came out in August uh, 2016, so uh, we're reviewing it here in October, and 
hopefully it's given people enough time to see it. And if you haven't, uh, we can recommend it down under. Check it out. Hopefully you've not had too much spoiled here and you can still appreciate all the jokes if you've listened through the whole podcast. Uh, next time, guys, we're going to be tackling a Netflix film called Ark, spelled A-R-Q. Stars Rachel Taylor and I believe it's Robbie Amell, who's the um, the brother or the cousin of the guy from Arrow. Uh, I think it's Stephen Amell or Amel. Look, we're pumped to see it. It's a Netflix exclusive movie, so um, just been released. If you have Netflix, you can check it out and uh, join us next week to talk about Ark. But uh, for now, thank you for joining us for Down Under, and uh, you can find more from us at podmeifyoucan.com. You can also find our Twitter handles and links to our YouTube page, all the stuff we're doing. And you can drop us a line and uh, request a film. Um, Lloyd, always a pleasure. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie Reviews. 